Is that on? Testing. One, two. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you all. Well, the last two or three Sundays, I've said, welcome on this beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. Well, just welcome. That's all I can tell you. Just, we can't complain. We have had an incredible week, and uh, so we're due to have something to kind of adjust that back. But it is great to have you here. Welcome to those of you who are watching online, those of you who are watching over in the uh, Fellowship Hall. Glad to have you and trust that everything's working there a little bit better. Uh, welcome guests. If you have first time visiting, if you'd stop by the, uh, the uh, Welcome Center, we have a gift for you. If you're joining us online for the first time, please uh, let us know that you're there, and that will be great. This is the third Sunday, K through R, so we'll uh, just remind you of that. Uh, we have an IFB annual meeting here tomorrow night and Tuesday morning and afternoon. Uh, you're invited to all of those that you want to come to, uh, so it's uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Adam Morgan, who is, uh, you know, Patch the Pirate's uh, son-in-law, uh, and he's kind of doing the new Patch the Pirate uh, ministry. Uh, he and his wife are going to be here, we are assuming. Have we heard anything different? He's supposed to let us know, because uh, they have called in the family uh, for Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate. Uh, he is uh, not doing well physically, but we know what that holds for him, and so uh, we pray, pray for the family. And uh, Rick Arrowwood, who was a pastor here in Indianapolis for several years at uh, Cross Point uh, Baptist Church on the uh, west side of Indianapolis, will be the guest speaker. So we invite you all, if you'd like to come, uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock and then Saturday or Tuesday at uh, 9 o'clock through about 1 o'clock in the afternoon or so, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I uh, invite you to that. Also, Thursday is the Caregiver's Resource class. It's meeting at 7 o'clock here. We're off to a great start this last week. See Miss Glenda for details. Uh, there are, each week is like a different segment of topic uh, in, in the caregiver's concept. Whether you're in need of, of a caregiver, that might be good ways for you to find, make some connection. You see that coming in your future. Or if you're someone who's in the process of helping someone, uh, they'll, they'll cover all those different things, and so that would be a great thing for you to, to uh, sign up for, see Miss Glenda. Celebrating Moms of Littles, that is this Friday, April the 21st at 6 o'clock here at the church. If you have uh, kids that are 10 and under, moms, you are invited. That means, Dad, you're going to have to step up. Please, please, if you would, either leave that up there for just a second so they can scan that QR code uh, to RSVP, or uh, see, if you would, please, Miss Gale or someone from the Ladies' Sunday School class and let them know that you're coming uh, so that they can get a decent count because they are catering in the desserts and they're going to be sandwiches and sides and uh, different things that are there. Yes, sir? Today is the last day to sign up, so make sure you do that. And uh, Miss Kelly Ruley is going to be the special speaker, and so we're excited about uh, hearing those kinds of things. So make sure that you uh, sign up for that uh, today. Next Sunday, is uh, we're going to do a special service. We always have the soccer team in, and it's always an exciting thing for us. They've incorporated the girls' soccer team the last couple of years. Uh, this year, because they are coming to Indianapolis, they're spreading themselves out, so they're going to be staying with... Uh, we don't need to put them up uh, or feed them this time around. Uh, they're going to be staying with another church. They'll be there on Sunday morning. They're going to come here on Sunday afternoon. So it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon next Sunday. It will be our only other service next Sunday. We will not have an, a 6 o'clock service next Sunday. Uh, so you'll have the, the uh, soccer team. We, if you remember the soccer team, we just that's one of our favorite uh, times coming in. And so they'll be with us all next Sunday. Looking forward to that uh, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Teen Camp Campaign. 
help our teens get to camp, grab an envelope or, or give online. So are the envelopes out there? Okay. So, so uh, is it the 1 through 100, that envelope system? Keep going. All right. So just keep reading, Pastor. So the teens will be able to earn money toward camp. If you give online, please let Pastor Andrew know. If you drop the envelopes in the, you can drop the envelopes in the giving boxes. So it says, grab an envelope and give online your age. What if we don't want you to know our age, Pastor Andrew? <laughs> so. Yeah, we got the idea because, uh, let's see, who was it? Some Miss Irma, that's right, Miss Irma uh, sent a letter. She was down south for the, doing her uh, snowbird thing, and she sent, on her birthday, she sent money for the teen camp, and she said, I've got a suggestion. The church that I uh, attend, I think it's attend, she attended, attends down there, encourages people on their birthday to give whatever their age is to teen camp, and that's, you know, if, if we all did that, uh, we would more than cover uh, camp, so <laughs> more than cover camp. So anyway, uh, that, I thought it was a really good idea, and it really it, it is great, great for your kids, great way to teach your kids how to be focused on somebody other than themselves, right? So your seven-year-old, you know, you teach them how to do this and uh, how to care about other people. So great opportunity, great idea, so... Uh, there it is. You can help us out with camp. Looking forward to that. How many we have going to camp so far? Over 40 teenagers going to camp, so that's always exciting. Ladies' Banquet is coming up Friday, May the 12th, 6.30. $5 per person. Children three and under are free. We do need men to help us out because the men cook and serve. And, uh, and so if you can help us out there, guys, sign up out there as well. Ladies, make sure you sign up. Sign up is uh, two weeks from today is the last sign-up day, so make sure you get that taken care of. Our missionaries of the week are Brian and Jennifer in an undisclosed area, and so uh, they have some things that in their uh, February newsletter to share. But one of the things that they were excited about is that they got their computer out of customs. Uh, their laptop had been locked in customs for the last two months for whatever reason, and they finally got it back. And so uh, that was an exciting thing. They were excited and asked you to continue to pray. They have a ministry retreat coming up uh, or that they did earlier this month, and so uh, with coworkers. Uh, and so we're not giving names again for those things, but it was a great time of fellowship, prayer, and planning for the upcoming year. Uh, so if you just continue to pray for uh, Brian and Jennifer as they serve the Lord there uh, in their place of ministry. Also, before we have, let's go ahead and have the men come, and we'll get ready to take up the offering. Uh, but uh, just to let you know, Miss Joyce Newton had a birthday yesterday. She won't be here tonight. Where's Miss Joyce? Is she in here? Or is she over there? Is she in here? She must be over there. Happy birthday to you, Miss Joyce. And coming up this Saturday, Dick Clark. Dick Clark's here. He's over here. Dick Clark is turning 90 years old Saturday. Yeah, congratulations. He said, now, Pastor, I, I just want you to know, if you're getting me a gift, don't spend more than $500. And I said, I'll keep that in mind. But <laughs> So let's sing happy birthday to these young folks real quickly, and then we'll look at it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. Brother Robert, you pray and ask God's blessings upon the offering.
Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we come to a God that knows us, that cares for us, that loves us, that gives mercy to us. Thank you, Lord, for the day, for the rain, help nourish the earth. I pray that you would uh, anoint pastor as he presents your word to us today. Give him the exact words that you would have us to hear. Help us to be attentive. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to give, for we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Still celebrate uh, Christ's resurrection, right? Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Our guys group, we almost sang again this morning just to open it up to just remind us. I think we can get excited for Easter and then just go back to the routine. But today's Resurrection Sunday. Christ the Lord is risen and we can praise him for that. Let's stand together and we'll sing Praise Him, Praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Blessed Redeemer, 
to the Hebrews, chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city." By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. You may be seated. Thank you, Jonathan. We're going to sing one of our previous hymns of the month. We uh, sang this two years ago. And uh, the words you remember, new tune, but we'll sing together, May Jesus Be Praised. Oh. 
continue to praise him this morning. Let's sing together. I will praise him. Praise the Lamb for sinner slain. When I saw the cleansing We'll have the instruments drop out and we'll finish, finish it a cappella on that last. Glory, glory to the Father. Glory, glory to the Son. Glory, glory to the Spirit. Glory to the three in one. Just our voices. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Let's go and stand for our last song. We started learning this a couple weeks ago. We'll sing all four verses of Hosanna to the King. Hosanna to the
the mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend the agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, crushed your Son, who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought near. Your enemy, you've made your friend. Pouring out the riches of your glorious grace, your mercy and your kindness know no end. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. And thank you, Mr. Devon. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 22. I love that line in there, the Father's wrath completely satisfied. You know, we are under the wrath of God apart from Jesus Christ. That's the whole point. And if it's not completely satisfied, we're in trouble. And, uh, but Jesus Christ suffered and uh, paid for our sin debt. What a wonderful thing it is. So 2 Kings, chapter 22. We have coming up, I don't know if you're aware, uh, in the first week of June, a lot of things. We have a busy, busy schedule coming up here. So we have uh, the thing tomorrow with the IFBF, and we have the uh, parent thing, or the mother's thing on Friday. Uh, next Sunday, we have the, uh, the soccer team coming in, and then we have uh, the ladies' banquet coming up, and Mother's Day, of course, is there, and uh, Memorial Day, and all of that happens. And uh, then, in June, our interns join us. We have three interns. We're excited about getting them in here. But also, we have Revival the first week of June. We do this pretty much every year the same. Uh, hopefully, that helps you to make some scheduling. Uh, we like summer. It does two things for us. It allows us to uh, not worry about school. So if the preacher preaches, 
We don't have parents sitting there saying, oh, we've got to get these kids in bed. They've got homework to get done. We don't have to worry about school. And it also allows us to do the, uh, the after thing with the teenagers. It's uh, the refresh, is that what it's called? Refresh. Uh, after, after the revival, our teenagers have a second service. I don't know if you're aware of this. So Pastor Joe, years back, said, I want to try this. And I, was, I laughed at him. I'm like, you're going to get teenagers to come to one service and then stay for a second service? Yeah, I don't think so. But he said, I want to try it. So what we do is we take the teenagers outside after the first service, play some games with them, uh, kind of like, that, the, like the, uh, Cola Wars type of concept, and then, uh, then we sit them down and preach to them a second time, and it's just been phenomenal. I mean, we literally, we usually have about 50 teenagers by the time we're at the end of the week, have 50 teenagers coming to get preached at twice. It's incredible. So a lot of things happening. So with that in mind, we have that revival coming up. Dave Young's going to be preaching for us this uh, year. Excited about that. And uh, so we want to begin to prepare our hearts for revival and prepare our church for revival. Uh, in the month of May, since all we have are the Ladies' Banquet, Mother's Day, and Memorial Day, <clears throat> since we don't have a ton of other things just clouding up or crowding up the, uh, well, I guess we also have the... Uh, the class is still going in May, isn't it? Does it go through May or end in May? So, 18th of May. So uh, I forgot that on Thursday. So this is this particular week is busy. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh, well, whatever. But anyway, it's just time, right? It's just time. But um, we're, what we want to do is, we did this a few years back, uh, but we want to do some cottage prayer meetings about the revival. So I'm asking you to begin to think about that. We started on, on prayer time on Wednesdays. It has just been phenomenal. We did a study on prayer, and we started prayer time on Wednesdays, and, and it's just the response to it has been incredible. Uh, I'm telling you, in the past, and one of the reasons why we kind of quit doing prayer time is because we would have prayer time, and people would slip out, and the same two people would be there praying. But we did our study on prayer on Wednesdays, and it challenged all of us to step up. And you've done a wonderful job of just stepping into that prayer time. It's been great. And, and we want to expand on that. So we're going to have some cottage prayer meetings. What that means is I need for some of you to consider hosting a cottage prayer time. And so uh, we'll, we'll, tonight we'll ask you, the hosts, if you're willing to host, ask you to sign up tonight so that we can know. And then we're going to let people sign up to be a part of your cottage prayer time. All right? Now, you, you need to kind of you know, determine some times that are good for you. I'm going to tonight have the slots. You'll, you'll sign up for a slotted prayer time that you would host. What it, and what it means to host, it's a prayer meeting. You don't have to have cookies. You can if you want. You don't have to have, you know, milk and coffee, but you can if you want. That's up to you. It's a prayer time. Uh, it doesn't need to last for an hour and a half. It's a prayer time. So it can, it can be as short as 20 minutes, uh, it can be as long as an hour. It depends on what you as a host or hostess decide to do. Um, in that hostess hosting, um, you know, you need to also decide whether or not you want to have people bring their children. All right? That's something important. So if, you, if you'd say, I don't have room for kids, and you need to say that, just don't be, don't be apologetic. It is what it is. You say, I can host with kids, and that's absolutely fine. If someone says, Pastor, I would be willing to host, but I don't have a large enough space, then you know, we'll, we can make the church available for you to host. But the idea is that there'd be someone there hosting, and then we want to saturate our, our revival meeting with prayer, that God would do some unique things. So today we're going to look at revival, 
And tonight, we're going to do something uh, even more unique, but I'll get into that tonight. Uh, we're in 2 Kings chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. And you'll probably recognize uh, this story. Josiah, the Bible says, was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. Now, when they ended their reign in Jerusalem times, in Bible times, typically it was by death. So he was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 31 years. How old was he? He didn't live very long. But uh, look what the Bible says, verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Father, as we consider Josiah and what you're going to do through his leadership, God, may we be burdened for revival. May we be burdened for a renewal of your working in our lives, in our families, in our church, that uh, it would just be an opportunity for you to see things done afresh and anew uh, and that we would have an opportunity to know what it's like to be used of you. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Revival is a unique word, by the way, and I want to I touch on this. There's a distinction between revival and a spiritual awakening. And America stands in need of both. But revival is for God's people. You understand? God's people need to be brought back to a relationship with God that they once had. Spiritual awakening is for those who don't know Christ and just need to be awakened spiritually. And our nation is in need of both. There's hardly a church on the planet that isn't in constant need of revival. And, and God's doing wonderful things here. It's wonderful to see how God's blessing. And, and I feel like that um, at, at better than any time in our ministry, the last uh, three years with COVID, have been marked by spiritual growth. Uh, that God's people have taken great steps toward a stronger walk with, with Christ. And I'm, I've been excited about watching that take place. And, and it's just been a joy. But having said that, we always have, there's always that room for revival. What we want to do today is look and see what revival looks like somewhat in 2 Kings chapter 22, and then make sure that we are doing nothing to preclude, to stop that from taking place as we come to this, this week of meetings, that it would not just be, you know, we do, we do wonderful things here, and our crowds are always good, but we'll... We'll fix meals and we will feed everybody every single night of revival. Uh, we do that because we know that the day and age in which we live, typically it's two and two income families. Everybody's working. If you're going to come at all and get the kids taken care of and everything, you don't have time to get home from work, feed the kids, you know, get cleaned up and get here. And so we just provide a meal every night and uh, we'll usually feed about 200 people every night. And so by the time you go through that Monday through Friday, you've make, made a thousand meals. Uh, we'll do that. We've been doing that for years, and we'll continue to do that. That just makes it easier because we don't want anything to get in the way of God doing a work. So part of that is getting us, getting people here, right? It's just part of that is just making sure that people are actually here. But then we also have some heart preparation. We're going to uh, look at that. So let's just kind of walk ourselves through this story and see what begins to happen. So in verse 2, it says, He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and did not turn to the right hand or the left. He wasn't, he wasn't swayed. 
But, it, but look at verse 3, because it's not until verse 3 that we begin to see things happen. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. So this 8-year-old is no longer 8. Do you understand? He's 26. He's a 26-year-old king now. And in the 18th, it's taken 18 years to get the nation ready to take some great spiritual steps. And by the way, there's a, there's a piece of bad news that's involved in this, and yet God is still going to bless beyond blessing. But the, the bad news is that uh, God's judgment is still coming. They're, they're not able to stave off God's judgment here. God's like, I, I still need to deal with the whole nation, with the, with the, the uh, sin of the nation. But uh, Josiah is going to lead them into some wonderful things. And uh, so in the 18th year of King Josiah, uh, that the king sent uh, Shaphan. Uh, aren't you glad, by the way, when you read these Bible names? It doesn't just make you so happy that you have the parents you have. <laughs> Shaphan, uh, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe of the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the Lord have gathered unto the people, and let them deliver it to the hands of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house. Now, here's what's happened. Over the years, because Israel has gotten away from God, the house of God has fallen into decline. And I just want you to notice that the first step of this revival, and it may seem funny, but in this particular case, the first step of the revival is that there is a turning back to the house of the Lord. You might think that it would start with the Word of God, and it's going to, the Word of God is going to be greatly Im, impactful here. But the first start of this is that there just became an interest in, in the house of the Lord. In New Testament economy, that would be the church that there's just a renewed interest in the church. Now, say everything else you want to about our society and where we are and the mess that we're in and the political mess that we're in and the moral mess that we're in, and you know, it's true. But what happens at times like these is that people have a tendency to look back to the things of the Lord. It just, that's just follow what happens historically. And as things begin to bottom out, and we're watching this happen, you know, morally, economically, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're, we're bottoming out. But it causes people's attention to be drawn back to the church. And so that, is a, that part is a, is a good step, right? That's, that's something that we can begin to pray that God would, would use this to turn people's hearts back to the church. Well, that's what happens here. They're like, you know what? We need, to, we need to focus on the house of God for a little bit. And they begin to repair uh, things under the carpenters. They said, verse 7, I, I want to read verse 7 just because it's, it's the first real glimmer of hope that Israel has. Look at verse 7. Howbeit, there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. There was a remnant that was trustworthy. There was a remnant that was able to be trusted. Uh, and so they didn't, they didn't say, okay, you have to count for every dime. You have to watch what, everything that you do. And they didn't do that. What they did was they said, you know, there's no reckoning because these guys are dealing faithfully. That's the first real glimmer of hope. But look at verse 8, and here's where the revival really begins to take place. And Hilkiah the high priest said to the shape and the scribe, I found the book 
of the law in the house of the Lord. I found the book. It's like this. Like uh, you're getting ready for church on Sunday morning, and there's that mad dash, and all of a sudden, you know, three out of the five people in your house are like, where's my Bible? Where's my Bible? Where's my... If we're even bothering to ask, right? I mean, sometimes we just, oh, I don't really need it. But they found the book. And I want you to take some time in your heart and mind to say, you know what, I, I want to dust off the book. I want to find the book afresh and anew. I, I, I want the book, the Word of God, the Bible, to come back to the forefront of my thought and my heart and my mind. That's what's going to take place here. It's the beginning, really, of what God is doing to bring about this revival through Josiah's leadership. They find the book. And I would love for you to find the book. You remember when you first got saved? When you first got saved, you'd go to church, and every service was like, oh, is it over? Remember that? And then you matured in Christ, and you're like, isn't it over? <laughs> you remember that? That maturity? <laughs> remember when you first got saved, like, oh, I get to read my Bible today. And you couldn't wait. To, you had it marked where, where you're going to start and stop. And you were marking everything up. And, and then it slowly, I want us to find the book. Let's find the book. That's what happens. Israel finds the book. And what they do with the book is going to make a difference. So they find the book. goes on to the end of the verse. says, And Elkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Look at the end of the verse, verse 8. And he did what? He read it. Okay. Pastor, I know where my Bible is. Good. <laughs> I'm glad you do. Have you read it? I'm glad you know, but have you read it? You know, I mean, we live in a day and age, I, so I, I uh, you know, teach a class, and we open, have an opening assembly in the uh, sanctuary. And every, every uh, Monday when I come in, I take one of my students is... Uh, is a member of the church there, and, uh, and she always leaves her Bible in the pew. And so I take it to her from Sunday. You know, it's like, you left your Bible. So finally she said to me the other day, Pastor, that is, Pastor Ray, that's my, um, that's my Sunday Bible. And that's the way we are sometimes, right? We have so many Bibles. We just, okay, that's my Sunday. So I just leave it there. I, that's my church Bible. I leave it there, and I'll pick it up again on Wednesday when I come back in. And I'm like, I don't like that concept, right? I just don't. I like having a Bible that the, mo the notes that I made in last week still are speaking to me this week. You know, the notes I made last year still are speaking to me this year. This, this Bible has lasted me longer than any other Bible. I've gone through about four Bibles, five Bibles in my lifetime. This one has actually lasted. So I got this one when I was ordained to come here to be your pastor. So 32, well, 33 years ago is when I was given this Bible. And, uh, and it's actually lasted me, you know, quite a long time. I mean, it's, uh, it's held up. Most Bibles don't. Now, if you start, you can see there's some rough edges where pages are starting to fall out. And it's just, it is what it is. But um, we ought to not just know our, where our Bible is, but let's read it. That's what they did, and they read it. Look at verse 9. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king. And brought the king word again and said, The servants, thy servants, have gathered the money that was found in the house, and they delivered in the hands of them to do the work, and they had the oversight of the house thereof. Verse 10, And Shaphan the scribe 
showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me the book. So here's what he does. He says, hey, let me show you something. We found the book. You know the next step that happens with the Bible is not only are they reading the Bible, but they're starting to share the concept. Hey, king, we found the book. And look at the last line. And Shaphan read it before the king. You got to hear this. When's the last time you had that kind of conversation? You got to hear this verse. I, I, I've forgotten about this. Or I never knew this. Remember when you first got a, became a Christian? Like, I, can, here's something I'll never forget. I'll never forget reading through my Bible and realizing that one of the songs that we've been singing for the last 17 Sundays is actually in the book. It's like, wait a minute. That's where they get that. I didn't know that. You know, it's like, that, isn't that, that's just really cool, right? You've, you've, you realize that the, the writer of the, of the hymn wasn't just writing something off the top of his head or her head. They were writing something because God had said it. It's like, wow, you got to see that. I remember, I can remember going to church saying, did you know this? And Psalm 23, you know, that last line of Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And we sing, surely goodness and mercy. We sang that song, all of a sudden I realized, that's based on a Bible verse. Wow, what a novel idea. Let's sing about God based on his word. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest. Of course, I'm 17, 16, 17. I'm like, this is so cool. When's the last time you had that? Shaphan comes to the king and says, oh, king, we found the book, and you just got to hear this. And he starts to read it to the king. Now, you know, most of us, many of us, like getting read to is like watching paint dry, you know, it's, uh, it's not our favorite thing, but the king, look how the king responds. Shaphan the scribe, I'm sorry, and uh, read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. And you know what's gonna, what, what happens for this revival is not only is their attention turned back to the church, which means their attention, by the way, is turned away from the things that are distracting them from the church. And this is what God's people need, is to get away from the distracting. You say, Pastor John, you know, of course this is what you want. You're a pastor. It makes you look good if everybody's focused. Listen, it has nothing to do with me, right? I did not die for the church. It has nothing to do with me. Our focus ought to be on the things of God. We're the children of God. And so the distractions are set aside, and they're focusing on the, on the, on the house of God. And then the book is found, and they're reading the book, and, and they're focusing on the book. But look what the king does. When he hears it, he rents his clothes. He, he, it's, it's, a, it's this universal sign in the scripture of repentance. He is like, I need to get things right with God. I am not right with God. And he tears his clothes. He rents his clothes. And he's showing forth what the nation is. And this is the king's response. And if we're going to come to a revival meeting and see God work, we've got to come with hearts that are ready to hear the word of God and ready to respond as the word of God speaks to us. As we're praying for revival, we're praying that God would prepare our hearts for the messages that are coming our way and that our hearts would not be hard and, and uh, not be calloused to the messages that we're hearing but that we would respond to them as they come. And the king hears this. This is 18 years in, right? This is the same king who has been doing right. This is the same king who hasn't turned to the right or the left, but all of a sudden, things are changing. Because all of a sudden, 
after 18 years of investing and doing right, now all of a sudden hearts are being made ready and he rents his clothes. Then thus saith the Lord, let's go down, flip down to verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon this place, upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. God says, listen, uh, there's still going to be some problems, but look at verse 17. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger and all the works of their hands thereof, my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. God says, listen, here's been the problem, king. Listen up. We're a people who have forsaken the things of God and we've allowed other things to step in between us and God. Burning incense to other God is maybe just putting other things before God. John in, John, in 1 John chapter 5 calls it idols. He said, my little children, keep yourselves from idols. And he's talking to his, his children in the faith. And he says, keep yourselves from idols. It's that anything that gets in between us and God. So here it is, like, you know, we are... So I'm asking us, as we're preparing ourselves for this revival time, do, are we falling into this category? Are we, are we part of the problem here that we've forsaken God and that we've let other things creep in? And if so, then let's respond like the king. Let's, let's repent. Let's get things right. And if it's not us, then that's our prayer that God would bring to this, this church, to this city, to this nation, uh, that God would bring about that spiritual awareness that we have forsaken God. I mean, that's, that is the problem, right? We are, we are a nation built on Bible principles, but we have forsaken God. And so the Bible principles, which were once driving us as a nation, are no longer pushing us. Now every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes, no longer being driven by biblical principles. Well, that same mentality sifts itself into the church. And we're asking God to bring about revival because we have forsaken him and we have burned incense to other gods. Verse 19, but God says, because thine heart was tender. Now listen, this is what we're asking God to do. God, make, God, make us into Josiahs, right? It, it, might take, it might have taken some time, God, to get us to this point. But here we are, and now God... Make us into Josiah's because thy heart was tender and because you humbled yourself before the Lord. Are you willing to do this? Pastor, I am willing for, for revival's sake, for the church's sake, for my family's sake, for, for society's sake. I want to be Josiah. I want to have that tender heart. The, the reality is if we come to, to a week of meetings and we come to every single meeting, but we come with a cold indifferent heart then nothing will take place we must have a tender heart toward the things of God are we ready for God to do something are we saying God make us into Josiah cause us to not turn to the right or to the left you know what's going to happen especially for everyone who says today all right I'm going to determine I'm going to make it my point to make revival be a this revival meeting to be an important part of what we're doing. I tell you, from that point on, everything's going to happen to keep you from coming, to keep you from doing what you're promising, what you're thinking about doing. Everything's going to happen. The devil's, you know, is a sly old fox, as the old song says, and and uh, you know he's going to step in. He's going to come in as an angel of light. 
He's going to come in as the great deceiver, and he's going to keep us from reading our Bibles and keep us from dusting that off and keep us from, from developing that tender heart, and our schedule is going to start filling up. And before you know it, we're going to have all kinds of excuses for not being able to come and not being able to participate. But let's say this. I want to, Pastor, I want this revival to mean something to me, to my family, to my church, to our society. Give me a tender heart, God, and make me willing to humble myself as I hear things that need to be dealt with, that I would humble myself. When thou heardest that I, what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept, and I also, and I also have heard thee. So listen, he not only rents his clothes, but he begins to weep. I mean, there is a brokenness to Josiah as he recognizes, I mean, think about this. For 18 years, Josiah's doing what's right. For 18 years, things are going along fairly well. In fact, they've got some money in the bank. They're going to start working on the house of the Lord. I mean, things are going along pretty good. Think about this. Josiah's got a pretty good thing going here. 18 years in, he begins to hear from the word of God. And now that word of God falls on a tender heart and he humbles himself before the Lord, and he begins to weep, and he begins to repent, and he asks God to step in and do some things that are unusual. Go down to chapter 23 and verse 3. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord. And here's, here's the decision time, right? Now, I'm gonna, I, I get hesitant when it uses the words covenant and vow, and I'm not pushing you toward those things. That's between you and the Lord. But here's what the Bible says. If thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not be slack to repay it, for he will surely require it of thee. So I'm not, I'm not asking you to take that. That's a pretty major step. If God leads you, leads you that way, that's between you and God. But just know that a vow is a strong word in God's economy. I'm just asking you today to say, God, make me willing. Here's what the king says. He comes before the Lord, and he makes a covenant to the Lord. And look what he says, to walk after the Lord. Let, let's start right there. God, come June. Come that revival meeting. Give me a desire to walk after the things of God. Begin even now to make my heart prepared for the word, and as the word comes, that it would fall on a tender heart it would fall on good soil that would bring forth godly fruit, that it would fall on that tender heart and that my heart would be broken for the things of you. And Josiah says, Lord, I'm going to walk after the things of God. He goes on, and keep his commandments, testimonies, and statutes. He says, Lord, not only do I want to walk after the things of you, but I want to keep your, your commandments. God, I, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the New Testament's not full of a bunch of commandments. It's just not. Uh, so we don't have the Old Testament concept to even deal with that Josiah did. You know? So we don't have that. Our, our New Testament commandment is pretty basic. It's like, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a great commandment, right? The second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a great commandment. It's a great commandment. It's a great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach to God. Tell, tell people about Jesus. 
But God, I want to be that one who not only, when I hear the word, I decide to walk after the things of God, I want to do it in such a way that I'm keeping the word, that I'm doing what the word says. And he goes on, he says, not just to do that, but with all their heart and all their soul, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, I, 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 come, come that Friday night of revival, God. I want, I want everything. God, come Friday night of revival. I want my heart and my soul. I, I want to I I remember what it's like when I first got saved. And I just could not get enough. And I just couldn't get enough. That's where Josiah is brought to. He's humbled himself, he's repented, and now he's saying to God, God, I want to walk after you. And I want to keep your commandments, not just outwardly, but with all my heart and with all my soul to perform the works or the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And then look what happens next at this verse. And all the people stood to the covenant. Everybody said, we're with you, Josiah. And you know what we call that? Revival. That's what we call that. We can have many revivals, right? God can revive my heart. God can revive your heart. We can walk closer to God today, tomorrow. But real revival in the essence of the revivals that we've read about are corporate. It's when groups of people come together and say, we're, we're with you, Josiah. And so Josiah says, I'm going to make a promise to follow after the things of God with all my heart, with all my soul, and to do the words that are in the book, and the people all stand and say, we're with you, Josiah. It's called revival. You want to see something different at Southeast Baptist Tabernacle? Let's saturate that group, that group of meetings in prayer for the next six weeks, seven weeks. And then let's come and participate with tender hearts, ready to humble ourselves before God. And when we get to the end of that week, can you imagine what it's like when God's people collectively say, we're going to walk closer to you, God, than we were walking yesterday, last month, last year, last century. This is a a changing moment for this group of people. Look what happens in verse 4. This is amazing. Because up to this point, I mean, Josiah is doing what is right. 18 years have gone by. Revival starting to come in. But look at verse 4. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal. What? Do you see what's happening? When revival really takes place, people start getting serious. All of a sudden, all of the things that have been tucked away and hidden and forgotten almost about are brought to the forefront. For 18 years, they've been doing what's right. For the last few days, what, however long this is, days, weeks, where they're reading the book and they're responding to it, they're getting things right. But now that they've decided to walk closer to God than before, now they get serious. 
Let's get the idols out of the house of God. Let's get the idols out of the house of God. And it says, they bring forth the vessel made of Baal and the, for the grove and for the hosts of heaven. Uh, that's not God's heaven, right? That's, that's worshiping the stars and the things like that. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields. Now slip on down to verse 9. Nevertheless, that's the heartbreaker. Revival has broken out. Things are happening. People are getting right with God. They're getting serious about their spiritual walk. And yet, there are still those in leadership. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places came not up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they did eat of the unleavened bread among their brethren. Wow. That's not good. But go down to verse 21. This is where the revival leads. And the king commanded all the people, saying, keep the Passover. Now for us, the Passover is represented by what? The Lord's table. We just did that last Sunday night. And what it represents is our relationship. Right? It's all about relationship. So keeping the Passover is all about relationship. Because the Lord's table is about relationship. Right? Let a man examine himself. Before he eats. And then let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Because we're supposed to have the right relationship. We're supposed to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship one with another. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. So that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so it's about relationships. So they finally get down to verse 21. Let's keep the Passover. Because it's about relationship. Get down to verse 24 and we're done. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits, the wizards, the images... And the idols and all the abominations were, that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book. Wow. Now they're really getting serious. They're actually now, let's see what else needs to be dealt with. Let's seek it out. Let's find. Now, we're, not talking about, we're not talking about seeking out other people out there that need to be dealt with. That's not what we're looking at in revival. Let's look at us. It, we're, we're like David where we're saying, Lord, see if there be some wicked way in me. Let's deal with the things that, we've, that are so far removed that we've, we've just forgotten that they're there completely. Verse 25 says this, And liken to him, was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. That's what God says about Josiah. Josiah had a tender heart, got right with God, made a commitment to go after the things of God with all of his heart and soul, and then dealt with the inward things that needed to be dealt with, took it seriously, and God says, there's never been another king like him. Not before and not after. I wonder if God would say about any of us, you know, there's never been another father, another dad like that dad. There's never been another deacon like that deacon. Southeast Baptist has never known anybody else like this one. Because look how tender their heart is. And how willing they are to humble themselves. How willing they are to follow after the things of God. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please.
We have a revival meeting coming up. In Southeast, it can either be just another calendar occasion, or it can be something that God uses to impact generations for the cause of Christ. What's going to determine it is whether or not God's word, when it goes forth, finds tender hearts, willing to be humbled, willing to commit themselves to follow after God in greater fashion than before. I'm asking you, Southeast, to join me in prayer that God would prepare our hearts for something unusual. Tonight, we're going to do something unusual in preparation for the revival. And uh, so today, as we get into this this morning, it's just, it's just us folks here. Are we ready? Say, God, make me a Josiah. Tender heart, willing to, be, willing to humble myself willing to commit myself, willing to seek out the things that are hidden from view so that all of these things are made right with you, so that God might be able to say, never in the time of Southeast Baptist history has there been a time like this one, before or after. Father, change us, shape us, mold us, revive us. Prepare our hearts for your word. May it be so fresh that it's almost a brand new discovery. We found the book. May our hearts be so tender that every seed that is sown brings forth fruit a hundredfold. Do a work in this congregation. And we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The invitation is simple. It's this. You know, if you're ready to start, I mean, I, and I'm not trying to get you to come forward. I'm not, you know, but if, if you say, Pastor, God's really dealing with me this morning. I just need to start this process right now. The altar's open to you. You know, you say, Pastor, I think I'm, I'm kind of like Josiah early on. I'm doing what's right, and we'll see what happens. That's fine, too. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make anything happen here. But I am trying to ask, I'm asking us to get ready for God to do something unusual. Let's stand. We're going to sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. The altar's open to you. You step out. Let the Lord have his way, would you? sing it one more time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy your kind attention today. Uh, deacons, we have somebody would like to join the church, and we'd like to let them. So uh, my office, that way, uh, if we could meet with them, that would be great. And uh, anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine up, and give you peace. You are dismissed. God bless you.